And we're back. You're listening to Women's Issues, Women's Voices on 89.5 KOP in Columbia. My guest today is also a new co-host with Women's Issues, Women's Voices, Elizabeth Herrera. We're having a discussion about feminist programming on KOPN, feminists in general and our backgrounds and focusing on Elizabeth's, your background in the military and your childhood. We're focusing on you today because you're, (laughs) since you're the new host, we'd like everyone to know a little bit about you. Would you say you retired? Is that what you call retired from the Air Force? I was tired from the Air Force. You were tired from the Air Force. I was exhausted. Dealing with the inconsistencies and it's just been a common theme in my life, you know, that have led me to this point where I am today, where I want to talk about why, and I want to change the needle forward towards women um, and girls. And yeah, so I'm very, you know, I give my all to everything that I do. I'm not less capable than anybody, than any man, than any person. Um, And I just felt like there's just a lot of limitations, Um, particularly, you know, if you look a certain way, the more you assert your sexuality or the more, it's interesting because the more feminine you present and the more, um, the stronger, you know, you present, the more difficult it is for you to assert your own individual power. And um, I've noticed that throughout my life. But the, the interesting s- thing that I was socialized to be this way too. The stronger you present, you say? The stronger, the more, the, the more feminine and the stronger you present, especially in the military, the more difficult it is for you to be taken serious, um, for you to be um, seen as an equal. It's almost like they can't, you know, they can't accept that. It's really interesting. Yeah, you, you said you had a big mouth. Yes, I did have a big mouth. And that's, and that's also something that we are told. That is something that stuck to you. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I just, I have this, this desire for justice. And when things are wrong or when they don't sit right with my, with my spirit, I always felt the need to speak up. And that voice has been, people have been trying to silence me for so long. I get myself in a situation where my voice is not heard and that I have to like swim my way out of that too. Um, And I'm at the point in my life where I feel that I don't care that I'm just going to say what I need to say and I'm going to do my best to live my best life. And I'm not as concerned as I once was with the opinion of others or meeting expectations. And I'm just going to be me. Um, but it's taken a long time to get there. Yeah. Well, uh, and you've had uh, your background from the military and being outspoken and who you are has led you to be a force of um, empowerment for girls and women with your, um, hit with your oh what what would we call your career your previous uh job at the pay center for girls in florida advocacy for women and girls so i started with pay center for girls um 
I really wanted to focus on working for or with organizations that um, wanted to advance the status of women. I didn't care where exactly it was. I was willing to move anywhere. And so the opportunity for to working at PACE came about and I just fell in love with their mission. Um, their mission is to, um, they serve at-risk young girls between the ages of 11 to 17. And they provide alternative counseling and education in a very holistic, gender responsive environment. And um, I learned a lot from that. And I learned, I grew as a human being um, working at PACE. And I wanted to continue my work in women's advocacy because that's really what we're talking about is helping women and girls find their voice. Um, I did that with PACE and I did that uh, with True North. True North is a dual domestic and sexual violence victim services program. Um, so focusing on prevention and intervention strategies to help, again, women find their voice. Um, and now I get to do the same thing with Mission Promise Kept at Stevens College, which uh, I'm leading a project that is going to um, empower uh, women veterans, which is interesting because it's almost like I'm helping myself in the past. I am the person that we're trying to serve at Stevens. Um, she's getting out of the military. She doesn't know what to do. Um, she's going to enter the academic environment and she wants to do better for herself. But there are many things that she's going to need uh, support with. There are many things that she's going to need to unlearn. And we're here to do that. Unlearn. Unlearn. Yeah. So what would someone coming out of the military need to unlearn? That she doesn't have to be defensive all the time. And that... Um, there's actually a network of women that are wanting to support you genuinely, um, that are not interested in any rat race other than maybe advancing and helping humanity and making the world a better place. Um, in the military, you have to put on a shield as a woman too, and you have to really protect yourself sometimes from other women. Um, oftentimes for me, it was from other women. So may, men would try to victimize me and victimize me, but the women sometimes were very complicit in participating in the shaming and in the, in the um, disintegration of my self-esteem. Yeah, they were complicit. And so knowing that it's okay to let your guard down, um, that some of the things that happened in the military were not necessarily, they weren't okay, um, that the military operates in a system that is not real life, it's not the way the rest of the world operates. Um, that you have been victimized and that healing is okay and it's going to take some time. Yeah. How many women do you work with right now in this program? So I'm starting the program right now. I have 10 slots available for the fall. I currently have three on the pipeline. Um, so it's going to be 10 women um, that we're, it's going to be a living and learning facility at Stevens. So we have designated um, a, the third floor of Columbia Hall to be designated uh, for women veterans only in their apartments. They're not necessarily dorms, they're apartments, one to two bedroom apartments. And it's not just that they are gonna have their own space, it's also that they're going to have a community that is going to be responsive to their needs. Um, we're gonna be uh, partnering with the uh, VA, the local VA, um, local support groups, people that are wanting to do therapy groups, um, physical activity, um, legal services, disability ratings, and we're going to try to attune ourselves as much as we can with the needs of these veterans, and I'm going to lead the way. 
Mm-hmm. And what do you expect the age group? Like, what's the age group? I have no idea, honestly. It could be 21 to 61. There are women that stay in the military 20 years and then they decided, you know, that they want to go back to school because they have that entitlement. Um, there are women that maybe did their first tour. I don't, I really don't know. I really yeah. have no idea. So this is a fresh program. It is a fresh program. Yeah. Sounds I'm exciting. very excited to, yeah. to lead it. So I want to, I want to give you some thoughts on women in the military, if I can. Yes, please. Okay. So women comprise about 14% of the armed forces, 14%. Um, over 9,000 women have received army combat action badges for actively engaging or being engaged by the enemy. Over 440 women have earned awards for valor, including two silver stars, three distinguished flying crosses, 31 air medals, and 16 bronze, uh, bronze stars, okay? By 2043, women are projected to make up 16.3% of all living veterans. This is a, a big amount of the population. Did, did you say, wait, tell me that last statistic again? By 2043, women are projected to make up 16.3% of all living veterans. Okay. So of all living veterans, we are expected to be 16%. That's, that's a lot of women veterans. Yeah. Um, military sexual trauma and PTSD are widespread, and there are significant gaps in transition services available to women veterans related to wellness, employment, housing, and childcare. Women and men in the military share the same experiences in many ways. Men mirror the number of women who say that service helped them A, grow as a person, B, feel proud of their service, C, prepare them for a job or career, D, many of them say that they joined the service to serve their country or receive educational benefits. Um, Many of them say that they wanted to join to see the world and to gain a job skill. Women and men are equally likely to have had emotional traumatic experiences and to have PTSD, struggle with reintegration and have experienced strains in family relationships since their discharge from the military. However, women experience service and transition, transition differently than men. Each of these issues impacts a woman veteran's ability to find and keep a job, care for their family and manage day-to-day life. We have higher rates of unemployment, okay, as women. We are more likely to be homeless. Women veterans are more likely to be homeless. Wow. Yes, women who struggle with transition may show different symptoms than, than men. For example, women who develop PTSD are more likely to manifest depression as a co-occurring condition, while men are more likely to display anger and resort to substance use disorders. 43% of women say their mental and emotional health is worse than ever before serving in Iraq or Afghanistan, while 30% of men say the same. One in five women veteran has experienced sexual assault in the military. And I think that that is statistically conservative because there's no way that every woman is being truthful about that. Right. 
And yeah, this how long? Did, how long did it take you to speak up? Oh my God! But I didn't even know that I was a victim for the longest time. I thought it was my fault. Yeah. I've experienced both domestic abuse and sexual abuse, but I really thought it was my fault. Um, listen to this: the rate of violent sex crimes has increased by sixty-four percent since two thousand and six. Oh my God! It's widely unreported due to fear of reprisals and being ostracized. And this is what I was talking about. When many of these commanders have the final decision on what happens to that woman who made the report about sexual assault. If I would have reported the things that happened to me, I would have never had a military career. I would have been considered a troublemaker and somebody who's unstable because why did I put myself in those situations? Listen to this. Women veterans, regardless of age or race, are more than twice as likely twice as likely to be homeless than their non-veteran counterparts and represent the fastest growing segment of homeless veterans population, women veterans. Female ben veterans with combat exposure are uh, two times more likely to develop eating disorders. And women say that they, are, they do not feel respected or valued as veterans. They report feeling invisible, that their roles were less value, valued than those of the the men and they do not regard them, people don't regard them as real veterans. I have, I can tell you countless times that I've been to the VA and they thought that I was going there with my husband or that I was not the real veteran. And I'm like, I am a veteran. It's me. You or, know, that is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that's a common, that can be a common misconception. Yeah. Two more things. The highest unmet need for unemployed women veterans is the lack of affordable childcare. According to one study, more than 40% of active duty women have children. Over 30,000 single mothers were deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. And lastly, given the differences in how men and women experience transition, there is a strong need for more services and support specifically tailored to women veterans. And therefore, um, this includes higher education and therefore this is how Mission Promise kept, came to be. We need to be able to provide services there that are tailored to the needs of women in a holistic manner in every aspect in our community, but also in the academic environment. Because as we all know, the number one equalizer that we have at our disposal as women is education. I mean, it is number one, you know, statistics and history will tell us. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do here. So. We, all are, we are also offering childcare support. So the moms, if you have children, you can come live with your children on campus in these apartments. It's not just for you. If you have three kids, we can get you um, an apartment. We can help you furnish it. Um, we can help you with any type of issues or needs that your children may have uh, so that you can get ahead. That is the most feminist thing that we can do as an institution is provide that support, making sure that she is well taken care of, her children are well taken care of, um, that we are accepting as many of those uh, credits that she received in the military, that we are honoring her lived experience. Those 20 years in the military and leadership accounts for something. Yeah. So what is the veteran population like on Stevens campus? Well, you know, we haven't been tracking that. And so a lot of women veterans, they don't like to disclose their veteran status. Um, I was one of those people. I went to Auburn University and um, 
if you didn't ask me, I wouldn't tell you that I was a veteran because I wanted to blend in, you know, and I want, I didn't want to be ostracized or people to be intimidated. So I just kept it really quiet mm-hmm. that I was a veteran, but um, we haven't been tracking that. We're tracking it now. We have uh, protocols in place to track that. And now we have the living learning community. Yeah. And how will you, um, so blend, you wanted to blend in and how right. can you, uh, just asking about how, like, how will you present this veterans program to the rest of the community? Like, how can, right. how can you help them with like understanding the share? The one thing that I, I would want the women to come to Stevens that are veteran is that they don't have to blend in. They can just be themselves. And we are going to tap into their lived experiences. I have a, a, many visionary ideas on how we can incorporate them. There are many things that the women veterans can teach the younger students that are coming to Stevens. Self-defense classes, um, something that they've learned. And so including them as part of, uh, you know, as part of uh, as part of our Stevens community and reminding the community that women veterans have incredible value and incredible talent um, and just showing up that off with pride. Yeah, and incredible strength too. Mm-hmm. Resilience and yeah. grit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings me to asking a little bit more about the shows you want to do it sounds like you are you're going to be talking a lot about women veterans on the show yes yes I'd like to just give the voice of the Latina women women that are first generation American blending in I'd like to talk about women veterans the lived experiences of women veterans I want it to be as organic as possible so my point of view of the things that I have lived and maybe diving deeper into that so that I can make hopefully connections with people that are experiencing the same thing, whether it's me as a soul, as an airman in the military, whether it's me as a career woman, an executive director, a CEO, versus me as um, somebody that grew up in a different environment that is always feeling like an outcast, um, being a mom. You know, there are so many things that that um, we experience as women, and we are they're complex like the lives of women are complex. And so I'm hoping to bring stories that are gonna shed light to that and, and bring an opportunity for connection and for people to identify themselves in those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm going back to your military background because I didn't think to ask, uh, what did you do in the Air Force? What I was did your- several things, yeah. yeah. So my first job was a, a career field that is no longer in existence. It was called aerospace medicine. And so what we did is we monitored and studied the effects of altitude and pressure on pilots. Um, There are certain things that needed to happen in order for an Air Force um, pilot to get on a plane. He can't just walk up and say, okay, I'm ready to fly today. He has to make sure that he is medically um, able to do that. He has to have his, or I say he, because 99% of them were were white men. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, 99%, 99%, they are, I, this is anecdotal, but in every duty station that I worked, it was 99% of them were white men and about, they had the token black person and then the token female. And if they were lucky, they could get that 
in one person. It was yeah. really interesting. And I just, I was able to see it because of the things that I'm interested in understanding patterns and human behavior and organizational culture. I'm like, this is like blatantly obvious. There's mm-hmm. some sort of systemic racism going on here, but I, you know, if I said something, I was out of line. Right. Yeah. So yes, I studied. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and then the career field split. So I had two career fields after that. One was public health and the other one was uh, a medic. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I became a one Charlie, woohoo to all the one Charlies out there, which is aviation resource management. And through all the time, it was mostly working with pilots, mostly working at the flight line um, and supporting the mission by helping pilots, um, you know, monitoring their qualifications or training, um, making sure that they had all of the things that they needed to do before they boarded a plane because the liability was too great. Some of these planes were worth billions of dollars. I mean, the B-2, for God's sake, I think it's around the billion. Yeah. Is that what you were expecting to do when you joined the Air Force? I didn't even know. I was a, a little Hibarita uh, from Puerto Rico. I didn't know. I just wanted to see the world and experience things. And I had no expectations. I didn't expect it to be so violent towards women. And I, I did expect a certain level of protection that I, ne- I never really received. Yeah. I remember being in high school and being preyed upon by the ROTC. And they would come to the school and they would come talk to us and they would get our numbers and they would call us and they would invite us to have interviews at, at the, at the um, you know, the office to the recruitment office. And I got pretty far into it. Like finally I could, because I'm a people, people pleaser and I have, I, I, let me go back. I am recovering people pleaser. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to, and I just, they saw, you know, they saw something in me, like a talent or whatever, you know, they, they made me feel like I really did have a lot to offer, which I do have a lot to offer, you do but have a lot to offer. they, they really made me feel like that was my direction, you know, cause that's what they wanted me to do. And so finally I was like, wow, I don't want to do this. This is too, these people are really laying it on thick. So I, I, quickly changed course but for a while I can see how easy it would be to just say sure that's what I that's what I want to do because these people are telling me that's what I should do yeah the recruiters are I don't know how it is now but when I joined they had some quotas to meet and if they had to lie to you that was whatever they needed to say they would say to get you in yeah that's what I was saying it sounds like we were in the same year in the in the 90s yeah so yeah, it was, I can see how I was preyed upon too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's about the numbers. It's not about the person. And I think that is, that is, um, what do you say this? How do you say this? That is the military. It's going to be its downfall. Yeah. The way it treats its people, especially yeah. women. We are women, women, we, we are the ones that need to be leading everything. We're the multi, you know, known to multitask. We can really, you know, know how to set our objectives. We are the future and nobody's really thinking about, I mean, I think they are. I think that higher leadership is really trying to 
be more equitable. And I can see some of the intent of some of these generals and commanders that are trying to um, focus on feelings and focus on caring on each other. But in the middle, it's just so toxic. And it's all, it's a rat race. They're pounding on a, our door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a rat race and it's not about community. And it's gonna be a military example. Yeah. You know how I was um, enchanted by mm-hmm. the by the military, the paratroopers. Oh, came, I know. I used to work with them. Yeah. Came to my high school and they just like flew out of their planes and it was just like, wow. I mean, they good, are amazing. To be able to do that, like as your job, just like fly out of an airplane and oppress all these people on the ground. Like listen, and they are so amazing in real life. I'm not gonna lie. We used to call them the supermen. Yeah. There are no I women. Wanted to be a superman. They were superman. Like they can like if you get hurt, they were like knew everything medical to do. They could fly, they could run, they could swim. It was the most incredible, you know, remarkable group of men. Um, those paratroopers for sure. Yeah. I and men, you're right. Like yeah, I would why are yeah, but why I, aren't those opportunities open to women? Yeah, I would have joined and been like, I want to do that. And then they'd be like, well, you've got to go through all these hoops first. Yeah. And sometimes what I've noticed is not necessarily the physical or intellectual hoops. It's the psychological hoops that you have to, you know, bound power, not outshine the men, you know, or you'll get some retaliation or you'll be ostracized and outcast, you know, because I mean, physical conditioning, if you have a, you don't have to be, some of these men were small. You didn't have to be like number the number one in the race. You had to be able to do it. There's no reason why women can't be paratroopers. Um, there's no reason why women can't be in combat. Strength and speed only get you so far. There's strategy. There's you know flexibility, resilience, and um, yeah. What I saw was a lot of women that were capable, more than capable, to be successful and participate in these these activities but they weren't allowed to because they were women by the sheer nature of them being women. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to handle the psychological. No, you wouldn't have boxes that they put us in. Yeah. Well, we've got a few more minutes. What else do you want to, what else would you like to share with us? Mm, Let me think. So let's talk about Mission Promise Cap and what yes, we're trying to do. do. So, yeah. So just a quick summary about Mission Promise Cap. So, number one, veterans accepted into the Mission Promise Cap program would take residency in an on-campus apartment, so it's not going to be a dorm, and they will be surrounded by other women veterans versus being in the regular student population. And this is really significant because Stevens did a survey and they did a lot of research to find out what women veterans want. And this is one of the things that they indicated is that they don't wanna be around the regular population. A lot of these women, uh, even if they're just 21 years old and just did a four year tour in the military, they have a level of discipline and maturity that high exceed, highly exceeds yes. their peers. So they're not gonna, most likely not wanna go to party or they're there for a goal and to accomplish a mission. Um, so that's why we wanna separate them. Did into you say their a mission? Living- a mission, a mission, a mission. Okay. Yeah. Got mission. it. Yeah. They have Any a mission. mission to, yeah. They have to, a mission to leave. <laughs> to, yeah. To, to, to continue in, their, yeah. To continue their life their path. Life. Yeah. 
If the veteran has minor children, they can live in the, in the apartment with her, okay? Okay. This is another feature of Mission Promise Kept. Concierge service to assist the veteran in any issues with childcare, which as we talked about before, is one of the biggest impediments yes. for women to be successful. Legal health, obtaining a disability rating, securing a job post-graduation, among many other resources. Um, although Stevens is a private institution, um, we are going to allow the post 9-11 GI Bill to cover all expenses for the veteran. So we're not going to, it should cost the veteran nothing um, if she has been awarded the post 9-11 GI Bill. Stevens College is also, for many people that don't know, the top friendliest campus in the nation. So she can also bring her pets. So she can bring her kids, she can bring her pets, she can't bring her partner, this is just for women only. Um, and we don't allow snakes or spiders. So please, nothing, nothing creepy crawlies like that. <laughs> um, Stevens is also very generous with their uh, credit transfer policy um, as it pertains to women veterans, um, to veterans in general. Um, we have over 30 degree programs, including nursing, which is highly sought out. And especially, I can, I can speak from my experience with the Air Force. The Air Force um, qualification guide to become a medic, it's like, so thick, it's at least two inches thick. They are, they know what they're doing. They're there to do combat um, medicine. But many of the colleges and institutions, they don't allow those um, as credit hours for the veterans. We are going to do that. We're going to actually take a logical, well thought out look at what she has been trained on and accept that as transfer credit. That makes um, sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah, it should. We also, we also have a physician assistance program, which is highly, also highly sought after. Um, we have business administration, digital filmmaking, acting. I mean, we have the first woman vice admiral is a Stevens graduate, Vice Admiral Nancy Brown. That is huge. That's a, a equivalent to a two-star general in, in the Army and the Air Force. <clears throat> so um, Admiral Brown, is working with me on this project. We also have famous people, you know, Paula Zan, um, Encanto star, Stephanie Beatrice. I mean, you know, Stephen College has a lot of reputation historically since 1833 for being with the time for what women need and enhancing the lives of women. And so I couldn't be more proud and honored to be a part of this. Um, I feel like this is just, it feels so much like it's the continuation of my purpose and the things that I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's got some real promise and it can be a really strong program. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do it. <laughs> well, so, so can you tell people how they can find out more about that? Absolutely. So the, the first thing you can do is go to the Stevens College website and type in Mission Promise Kept. You can call Stevens and ask for Elizabeth Herrera. You can send me an email, eherrera. E-H-E-R-R-E-R-A at stevens.edu. You can send a smoke signal, Morse code. I will respond to that. Um, <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook, Stevens College. They all know. So the whole college, the faculty, administration, even if you send a message on Facebook and say, hey, I want to learn more about Mission Promise Kept, they will reach out to me. Um, and I will be there and respond within 24 hours because I'm very excited about this program and I'm very excited to, to provide this opportunity for women. Yeah, good. Well, we're really excited on Women's Issues, Women's Voices to have you as a host. 
And do you know when your first show will be? Soon, not yet. Soon. Okay. I have to, you know, I have to really put myself in the schedule, but it'll be soon. Um, and I'm just very excited. I need to really cook up what I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I want it to be so meaningful and so relevant. No. Yeah. Well, if you are the listeners out there, Women's Issues, Women's Voices is a collective of co-hosts and Elizabeth is joining us as our new host. We also have Ivania Woods, Sarah Catlin, and Victoria Day, and me, Corey Flaker-Fraser, as hosts who all bring our own unique spin on different things. We have book discussions. We have current events, topics. We interview people from the community and feminists in the world. Um, we talk about, we touch on goddesses and their, their part and how they have shaped cultures around the world. We are just really trying to bring strong feminist programming to women's, to KOPN. Um, and plus Thank there you. are many more women programs, many women programmers on KOPN and women programs you can check out um, on Sunday, World Woman from five to seven in the afternoon. On Mondays, you've got women's issues every Monday from seven to eight. And Fem FM is a rock show devoted to women and on Wednesdays from 10 to 12 p.m. So we've we've got it all. Well, I'm, there could there could always be more. I know there are so <laughs> many more perspectives and we're just looking forward to having more of you on on the airwaves. So excited. Thank you for the yeah. opportunity for being inclusive to allow my experiences to have a voice. I think it's awesome and cool and I'm very excited and I can't even yeah, thank you. myself. <laughs> you can also check, you can also contact Women's Issues, Women's Voices through our email, which is wiwv at kopn.org and on Facebook at Facebook women's our women's issues women's voices facebook page so thanks for listening everybody <laughs> thank you you're welcome <laughs>